This sermon is from Edgewood Baptist Church. You can find more information about us online at ebc-edmonds.org. Thanks for listening. The first Sunday of the month, we take communion together. We like to have baptisms, and we like to do an interview of someone. Today, we don't have anyone to be baptized And if you notice on your connection card, maybe you want to take that step of faith and declare to the world that you know Jesus is your Lord and Savior. We'd love to talk to you about that. So that next month, we've got some baptisms. Our goal and our prayer together as ministers and this church and as staff, and by the way, we're all ministers, some in full-time service, some not. But if you know Jesus, you're a minister. Our prayer is that we see 30 baptisms in the upcoming year. Amen. So what I'm going to ask you to do right now to start, start this service in a, in a, a way uh, that's kind of unique, I'm going to ask you, if you know Jesus is your Lord and Savior, would you take a moment now to just pray that more folks would come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior? And if you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm just praying that you won't get creeped out by this, but you just pray and ask God, hey, If you're there, reveal yourself to me. Can we open our time before the interview with some prayer? So let's pray. Just silently to yourself. Dear Lord, we don't want to just play church. We want to be the church by your grace. Many we, we, we're surrounded by, we come in contact with every, every day that they don't know you as their Lord and Savior. They have no assurance of heaven, no assurance of a relationship with you. They, they don't know what has been accomplished for all who put their faith and trust in you by, by your cross, by your resurrection. And we pray that, that you would give us the words to speak, the actions to do, the steps of obedience to take. And you'd give us the, the, the good pleasure of seeing people come to know you. And, and Lord, as, as we gathered, even this week, with 30 church planters and 30, 30 pastors, we pray that this be multiplied, not just at our church, but in all the churches that are professing the gospel, that there would be an overflowing of your spirit and it would be transforming lives for your glory and the joy of your people. And all the people said, I love this guy, Julio. Uh, I've been here two years and from the very beginning when I met him, the smile was contagious, the passion, the vision, the drive to be one church in at least two languages. We want to keep growing into more languages, right? Amen. And see the gospel go forth. And I thought it'd be great this morning, some of you haven't heard Julio's testimony, to hear about how he came to know the Lord as his Savior. And then we're going to draw some lessons 
that you've learned in your life that's going to help us all, right? So tell us a little bit about how you came to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So by the, by the time I was born, my mom, she was a Christian already. So I would say that um, I was raised in a home, in a family, a Christian family, Christian home. And, you know, I've been, since I remember, you know, I've been doing, I, wa I was doing, you know, everything that um, a Christian oh, uh, whose parents are not the Lord, you know, was doing. I was attending Sunday school. I was doing this. I was doing that, trying to, you know, please everybody. I was, I remember that I, I was able to memorize many verses, and my teachers were so happy with me. And looking back my life, I think I was somebody that uh, everybody wants to be with me, and you know, I was uh, a nice, good, you know, kid. But uh, besides that, besides attending uh, Sunday school, uh, besides going to a different you know, Christian activities, I felt something inside me. It was a burn that uh, I couldn't explain. Uh, sometimes in my meditation as a kid, you know, I didn't understand what's going on with me. I didn't feel okay until when I was 13 years old in a BBS program, uh, I heard my teacher, I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit. It was pouring the burden that I have precisely as, as my sin. Then I realized that I, I needed to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So I accepted the Lord Jesus in my heart. And since then, until now, the burden that I was carrying, I don't feel it anymore. As the psalm mentioned, I knew deep inside that the wounds of the, my Lord has paid all my sins. Praise the Lord. You know, and if, if you're here and you're trying to work your way to God, it's not going to happen. Our righteous acts are, can never be enough to make things right with God. That's why Jesus died on the cross and rose again. But through faith in Christ, trusting in Christ, he can transform lives. One of the things we're excited about is helping our kids understand that Christianity is just not a list of moral rules. It's about a relationship. So I appreciate you sharing that. I thought folks might be interested in hearing a little bit about your growing up in Peru. Peru is a small country, you know, South America, close to Argentina, Ecuador, Chile, Brazil, Colombia. Um, it's very difficult to, uh, it was very difficult to, to live in, in, in Peru. So there was a lot of need. Uh, my family, we are 12, six boys, six girls. So there was a lot of need. Um, seems like my mom and dad, they didn't, they didn't have TV. So, <laughs> um, but uh, as I said, you know, it was very difficult. I, I know, I know how 
feel, how somebody feel to go to bed, you know, with an empty stomach. Um, we didn't have many things that are, most of the kids here in America, you know, enjoy. Um, I became a little, you know, resented because some friends probably had this, you know, present and, and you know, they, they had better situation. Um, I remember that I had my first pair of shoes when I was 12. Um, but uh, thanks God that uh, my mom and dad, they have um, an excellent, you know, view, an excellent vision. And they used to say, hey, Mike, you know, uh, Julio, we don't have money, we don't have possessions, we don't have this, we don't have that, but uh, we are gonna give you, you know, a good education. And this is something that, you know, helped a lot in, in, in my life, in the life of my brothers and sisters. Um, I remember that I used to ask my mom, please, mom, wake me up by five in the morning. I had a test tomorrow. <laughs> and then, you know, my father would used to tell me, you know, uh, my son, you know, wake up very early, by five in the morning. That's the best time where your brain is like a sponge to, you know, to absorb all the knowledge that you want to read and you want to have. So this is the way that, um, you know, uh, I was raised, even though there was a lot of need, but on the other hand, thanks God I had a good example, a good model from my parents. Uh, they uh, teach us, you know, how to be responsible, how to be focused on something that uh, all of us can, can, can have, which is education. Fantastic. I love hearing your story about how your parents instilled in you a vision to use the gifts God had given you for his glory. There's several things that when we talked uh, about this that I thought, well, this is a good thing for us to think about. One is the powerful influence a parent, a parent has on a family. And the reason I think that's important is because the scriptures taught us to, to teach our children, right? To love God, ourselves, to walk according to the things of God, and then to, to teach that to their children when we're walking, when we lie down, every, all the time. And our culture in America tries to say what's really important is what you do at your career. I think really important that we don't neglect our families. Amen? And we see the church, we want to come alongside families and help strengthen them and empower them. Now, if your family isn't what you'd like it to be, you're not without hope. You're welcomed into the family of God. Amen? Through faith. Well, there's lots about, very humble guy, there's lots about this guy, he, did, he doesn't tell you right, right? He's a medical doctor and heads up our Spanish-speaking ministry here. Random fact also, you played for your university in some semi-professional soccer. And uh, so fascinating guy, as has already been called attention to. Maybe you could talk a little bit about what you're excited about going on, that's going on here at Edgewood, and a little bit about your life as a doctor and a pastor. Well, you know, 
I guess I guess I forgot to to mention that I, you know by 17 year old you know I moved to Trujillo, which is a small town in in Peru, where I studied uh, medical school. Um, I have or I lead the influence of you know the socialism the communism that is you know top in the universities. I had a passion for the for the poor. Um, because probably, you know, as I mentioned before, I, I come from a very poor family. Um, but then, you know, I understood that uh, uh, if every person, every person has the Lord as his or her father has everything. It's not only the material things, but most important, the salvation and the spiritual things. Uh, for reasons which I consider it was a miracle, I came to this country. And when I was here, I had the idea of going back to Peru because the motivation that bring me, brought me to this country was actually to go back and help the local church in Peru. My dream was go back to Peru and probably, you know, be a pastor or, or somebody uh, a professor at uh, Bible College. But then, you know, going back and forth, Peru with the USA, I realized actually that uh, in Peru, so relatively there was no need because they had all, already missionaries, they had pastors, you know, in, in the language and the culture. And then the, the Lord, the Holy Spirit, uh, talked to me, knowing a you know, in, with boys, but a deep inside me, I realized that, that a need was here in the USA. There is a lot of Spanish-speaking people here that I need somebody to take care of them spiritually. My profession as a, as a doctor, which is basically, you know, take care of the physical, inspired me to move in faith and I remember one day that I, I said to the Lord, Lord, you gave me that passion and you gave me that ability, that uh, wisdom to get science information. Please help me to, under, to understand your word now on this side of, of eternity. And I realized that I, the Lord was moving me to do something here in the USA. And since then, I've been sharing my life with my patients. I take any opportunity every day, not only to help, to help them, you know, physically, but also taking opportunity that I can share, you know, what the Lord has given me which is peace and happiness and faith. Praise the Lord. It's interesting, about two years ago, a little over two years ago, when I was coming out to take the job here, one of the things, there's many things, but one of the things that really excited me was the opportunity to reach out across cultural lines. You see, I wanted to be a missionary at one point in my life, but I'm not good enough at foreign language, I decided. And 
or for whatever reason, the Lord, Lord left me uh, here. And I feel blessed to be a part of a church that's in an area where we can reach across cultural lines. Amen? And sometimes over the years, people have asked me, why do you have services in Spanish? Isn't this America? I take a deep breath, and I say this. I don't believe that knowing English should be a prerequisite for hearing the gospel. And I don't believe not knowing English should be an impardonable sin, and the churches say you can go to hell until you learn English. I don't, I can be a little blunt. <laughs> And I know that many of our families came from other nations. I, I, I know our conference of churches started as Swedish Baptist, and the church I was at in Minnesota for years, the notes were taken in Swedish. I also know it's hard to learn a foreign language, and the older you get, the harder it gets. So when I was in northern Minnesota and chairing the Hispanic Task Force, which is a miracle in itself, we began to realize that the best model would be a, a church that understood the difference of culture and made a salad, not a melting pot, but where people could speak th their native language, but their children could be in a church that was multicultural. Does that make sense? Imagine how it would be if your, chi your child is fluent in English and everything's done in English and, and you only know Spanish. We wanted to minister to those families. And also I want to say this, that no matter what second language you learn, my experience is your primary mother tongue still speaks to you. Well, of course, you know, when I first to this country, I was, you know, 34 years old. I didn't study English formally. Um, all the English that I talk is because I've been here. Uh, I remember that I took my boards, the medical, you know, examinations. I passed them. One day was at home, and then the other day I was in, in the ER working with doctors and nurses and residents and getting, you know, uh, orders from everybody there. You know, I was scared to death because, you know, I didn't know, you know, what's, what's going on, how, you know, how to get that information. It was difficult. Thanks the Lord that I, he, gave me, he gave me the ability to understand and be able to, uh, to work and function as a, as a physician there. And I know that it's very difficult for, especially the first generation, for any cultural group that comes to this country it's so difficult. So we feel at the I, I felt at the beginning, you know, inadequate. I felt that, uh, you know, there was a big barrier there. So that's why, that's something that, you know, Kevin and I, we, we share this vision that uh, the best way to help the communities, any community, you know, is to provide a healthy environment where the first generation can be assisted, can be teach in their own language, not only the language, but also the culture, the beliefs. So because everybody knows that, uh, you know, the, the, the language and the emotions goes together, the mind and the emotions goes together, and this is the best way 
we can worship the Lord. And I am so grateful to God that uh, Ashwood Baptist Church is a church that uh, understands this principle. And Pastor Kevin as well. And thanks God for, for you. Praise the Lord. I, I want to tell folks a little bit about what's happening um, more recently that we're kind of excited about. And did you hear this warning a little bit? I want to read a verse in a second, but did you hear a warning that if we don't reach out to the poor, there's somebody else who comes up with an answer, a godless answer like communism, right? If we don't re reach out, the world has come to us, someone else will reach out to those who are in our country from other lands. I tell you a passage of scripture that I think about and pray often is Colossians 4, 2 through 6. It says, continue steadfastly in prayer. Are we praying for the nations that are right here? Are we praying for ourselves? Are we praying for more people to come know Jesus as our Lord and Savior? Are we praying for opportunities? Listen to what he says. Continually, continue steadfastly in prayer being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door, a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I'm in prison, that I might make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. And so we're praying for opportunities to open, and a few opportunities have, have opened. The school has asked us if we would host the summer free lunch program. And we've been in conversation with them. I believe that will happen. I shared a little bit about our desire to reach out and empower families, and we're, we're part of some of the conversation there. We are looking to gather some families who live in the United States but have family in parts of the world that are really struggling. Julio and I are looking to have some of you, some of you have already been talked to some of you about it, a dinner where we can get together and talk about how can we best help you help your country that you came from. Make sense? The college, the community college, we have a meeting we're, we're looking to have with, with the community college has said, how can we partner better with you? We have talk time here where we have international students, not a ministry of the church, but a ministry that we believe in, and so we allow them to have our, our space in our building, and we think there's a great opportunity to reach out to international students, amen? I was in Nicaragua. I wasn't planning on saying this. I didn't say this other service. I was in Nicaragua. There's a couple things I remember about that. Once is they gave me a turtle shell and a little thing to keep the beat, and I was nervous I was going to mess it all up. The second thing I remember is at the end of the service, somebody came to me, tears running down their cheek, and kissed me on the cheek and said, I want to thank you in America for taking care of my son when he was there. And I wept for those who that's not their experience of American Christianity. 
And I wanted to be a place that was different. That was long before I came to Edgewood. And I praise God that God's leading us in that direction to be a different kind of place. Amen? Well, if you look at your connection card, how you get involved in this, we're going we're gonna to share just a little bit. In just a moment, we'll take communion. At the end of taking communion, we'll take the offering. In the offering, we're going to ask you to take your connection cards, and you'll see there the next step. Maybe your next step is to give your life to Jesus. Maybe you're like Julio was at one point, where you're doing all these morally good things, or supposedly morally good things, but you had this aching and emptiness in your life, and you knew you need that filled. You knew you were a sinner who needed a Savior. If that's you, ask Jesus to be your Lord, your Savior. Ask Him to forgive you. Ask for His Holy Spirit to enter in. Mark that on the box here, and we want to follow up with you and talk to you a little bit. Maybe it's get baptized. Maybe you know Jesus is your Lord and Savior, but you'd like to give testimony to that through baptism. Maybe the next step for you is to have a conversation. Cross-cultural lines. In my experience, I, I think that racism seems to be getting worse in America. Would you agree? At least in some pockets. The world doesn't have the answer to, to the race problem, but Jesus does. He came to draw people from every tribe and every tongue and every nation. Would you take a step and mark that box and say, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to seek out somebody from a little different culture and get to know them. And the last box is, I believe the Lord is leading me too. And that's for whatever you, as you pray, you feel God is wanting you to take that next step. Um, there's also information you can receive about attending our Explorers class or if you want to be contacted by a pastor. Last thing I'm going to tell you is we'll take an offering. And the offering, money that goes into the offering goes into the general fund. Also, on the Sunday of Communion, we take a benevolent fund offering that helps those in need. We'll be talking to the elders a little bit about how we use that money. Some of we normally use it right here through our benevolent fund. We'll be looking at opportunities that perhaps to use it in places like Peru also. That discussion is still to be held. Um, but the Awana Club is having a special versathon to raise money to help a church in Peru, and we wanted you to be aware of that also. And, and if you'd like to either sponsor a kid or, or just put money towards the Peru project, you can also do that this morning. So uh, maybe talk to them just briefly a little bit of what's happening in Peru with the Probably planning. you guys hear, you know, on TV, the news, internet, you know, what's going on in Peru, the, you know, heavy rain, raining and floods, you know, uh, 7,000 people, you know, lost basically everything. Of course, you know, a mountain, many churches. Uh, but there's a particular one, one church that uh, uh, we are following. I know the pastor of that church. He's a friend of mine. Uh, the church is located in Trujillo, Peru. Um, and I've been talking to Kevin to uh, see the opportunity as a church that uh, we can help them at least with something so they can have the opportunity to rebuild uh, their building. Uh, if somebody is interested in that, please talk to Kevin or myself and, and we'll see how we can channel that, that help. If, if you're here today also and you say, there's needs in, in my land, and some of you are looking at, we've already had a little bit of a conversation, also put that on the connection card, because like, I'd like to have you at that, at that dinner where we talk about how we can reach out. We have the nations coming to us. 
Amen. We're going to take communion together. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He says this, But in the following instructions I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. The, the, the first thing it tells us about communion is if you just think it's some magical meal that's going to make everything better, no matter how you live your life, it's not. You can take it in such a way that makes things worse, not better. Well, what were they doing? But in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat, for in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What, do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. Jesus' body, his sinless body, was crushed and broken to bring salvation to people from every tribe and every tongue and every nation and every economical class, the rich, the poor. So we've got to make sure when we gather for this, we understand that nothing we've done that may, makes us worthy of this meal we're about to partake, these, these elements we're about to partake of. 